It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. So, a very good day, everybody, and welcome to our podcast for the 21st of April, 2022. Uh, Our weather, well, we've actually got a bright day today. We've got uh, clouds about, but the sun has broken through. Overnight, we've had a lot of rain, so it's not been pleasant, but... Uh, It's now woken up to a little bit of a better sort of spring day, if you like. Let's get in the fictional car and go across the mountain range down for about an hour and 20 minutes to Playa San Juan, uh, the frozen wastes or otherwise. We'll find out now as I speak to uh, Rob Daniels. Good morning to you, Rob. What's your weather like and how are you? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm fine, thanks, Vince. And today is an absolutely spectacular spring day, um, like it should be, really, at this time of year around here. But um, yesterday was a completely different story. Yesterday, it was sailing down with rain all day long. It was overcast. It was great. It was like being in England in November or something. Um, So today, yeah, it's back to how it should be. Um, Very, very unsettled spring we're having, aren't we? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, what do you do with these... uh days now uh we're going to be talking football it's like at the moment it's about the only thing that um sort of keeps your sanity and yet there's too much football without a shadow of doubt you know you look at the premier league we've had uh, lots of games last night we've been busy over the weekend we've got flame coming back up Uh, we've got all sorts going on but i think what we do to start with uh, let's get things in perspective pay our Respects to those people still fighting in Ukraine. And remember that there's people suffering from all over the show uh, with the causes of war. So anybody suffering, let me just quickly lay that down as a marker and then pay our respects to what's happening in the life of Cristiano Ronaldo. So if you'd like to do that for me, uh, tell us what's going on and uh, how sad it's been, please. Well, Vince, this is a very sad one to start the day uh, to podcast off with today, isn't it? But um, for anybody who hasn't heard, Cristiano's partner, um, Georgina Rodriguez, she's called, she's uh, Argentinian, um, she was carrying twins and one of the, the, a boy and a girl, and unfortunately, the little boy died in childbirth. And Cristiano got a hat-trick at the weekend, which we'll probably speak about, Um during the podcast as well, but he basically came off the pitch, I think, and to to the tragic news. And he's been given compassionate leave as long as he wants from Man United, because I mean, this is a massive um, blow for anybody, isn't it? Um, forget his wages, forget the fact that he's a famous footballer. Um, losing a, a child at childbirth is a tragic situation for him. However, he went back to training because I don't think he he wants to keep himself busy. Um, I think his wife's okay, or his partner, I don't think they're married, but his wife's okay. But yeah, very, very tragic incident involving Cristiano Ronaldo and his family. And he is a really um, strong family man as well. So um, it will be, it, it's unimaginable what he might, must be going through at the moment, but he's back at training. I don't know when he'll be back on the pitch again, but um, yeah, a, a very sad loss for him and his family. A most awful time, uh, no matter no matter what other people might think uh, of other issues around anybody, uh, the loss of a child and then having to face up to the funeral and then the memories, yes, it does take a lot to get over and uh, obviously we'll wish that side of him all the very best as we look next at the fact that he scored a hat-trick against Norwich which was it his 50th or 60th? I can't remember of um, it, professional career. It was it was his 60th of his professional career events. Um, he hasn't got the um, he's not the leader yet, the world leader in the hat tricks, but he's got, he probably will be. Um, but he's got 60 professional hat tricks now in his uh, career, and um, I say he, he's when he gets on the pitch because he doesn't play every match um, these days because. 
they're sort of doing squad rotation and things like that. And also, there's a lot of backroom problems at Man U, as we're going to speak about. But um, when he does get on the pitch, he still gives 100%, and he got a hat-trick against Norwich. So, uh, yeah, good, good, good on him, really. I mean, he's 36 years old now, and he is a bit slower, but he's more experienced. I mean, he, he's so... he's. He's so clever um, on the pitch. Um, I'll take my off to him still. Yeah. Uh, Well, not only that, I think his bank manager will, because quite frankly, I think it's absolutely ludicrous to see the bonus that he got for scoring the hat-trick, because apparently that was all written into his contract, and he gets uh, the best part of a million pounds, the best part of, not not a million, um, about 800,000, I think it is, something like that, uh, because now every time he scores a goal, his money goes up. I mean, what are these fellas paid for doing? You know, if you're going to give somebody a bonus for for, for scoring a goal, when all said and done, nobody, and I don't care whether you're talking about Ronaldo, Messi or whoever, nobody can score a goal on their own. It's utter nonsense, this business of paying somebody that sort of money uh, for scoring uh, any goal, never mind. Um, what do you think about that? Well, it, as we often speak about, Vince, it, it does become out of all proportion, doesn't it? Um, eight, £800,000 is probably about a week and a half's wages for Cristiano Ronaldo, isn't it? Um, so... It's, it is completely absurd. It's ridiculous. I didn't realise that he was... I know that his, comp, his contract is very, very complex and um, there's lots of things written into his contract at Man United which basically puts an unfair advantage to him, to Cristiano, over the other players. Um, they they have to play for him, basically. They have to, they have to feed him. Um, but he does make his own opportunities, doesn't he? And he is really good. But getting paid that kind of bonus for doing what his basic job is, which is to score goals. Um, it is out of all proportion, isn't it? And um... Look, I think we, we, we're all men of the world. We do know that the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo puts on a Manchester United shirt, puts money into the tills all around uh, the, the business. But there is something intrinsically wrong if we've got to the stage where a team um, pays somebody money to score goals. That's what he's there for. He's there to be uh, an instigator of goals, and then they pay him a huge... I'm all for a bonus, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't have a problem with an odd £100, 50, I don't know, even £500, but to pay that money in bonuses to one player just because he's scored a goal or a hat-trick is nonsensical. And quite honestly, uh, take the way Manchester United have gone. Uh, I remember at the start of the season when Ronaldo came in and I remember all the hype and I remember everybody thinking, wasn't it wonderful, Ronaldo's coming back. And uh, at that time, you would have thought that Manchester United would run away with the league because of the players that they were signing. Um, you'd have think there was would only have been Manchester United and Manchester City. Um, this was because basically there was a money tree which was being raided and it was being treated out of all proportions. Then, of course, you come to the dynamics of people working together the psychology of sport. Uh, If you are a pretty good player, we'll take Bruno Fernandes as just one example, um, and you say to yourself, hang on, uh, uh, I'm a a good player, and yet we're building the team round Cristiano. I've got to pass to him uh, every time I get uh, wind of him being anywhere near me on the pitch, and then I'm going to help him build a massive amount of money um, so uh, I think what I'll do is I'll go down to a quiet corner of Old Trafford and I'll have a brood about this um, and think about how can I dis- how can I upset the apple car? You know, um, y- you can see almost, you could almost script this. I mean, Marcus Rashford, he's a shadow of the player that he was. He was a brilliant player, but yes, OK, what should we do, Marcus? Let's uh, all go on the social media. Let's make a name for ourselves. So, yeah, maybe it was with good intent. 
Um, I'm going to take the view that it was a uh, good intent because I think he's a very nice young man by the looks of things. But mm. if you're suddenly a star with Manchester United and then you're a mega star, an international um, figure from being on the internet, and uh, then the next thing is the Queen's going to whack uh, your shoulder with a sword and um, give you some sort of an honor. I mean, the whole thing has now become nonsensical. I would even go so far as to say this guy that came in as the guru to end all gurus has made a mockery of football management and it showed you that Oni Guller Scholzker was doing quite a good job. You only listen to the pundits. All the ex-Manchester United players are horrified with what's gone on. So was the idea always to try and undermine a good football team? Was it always part of some sinister thing going on? Was it the Americans being totally inept in what they know about England and Manchester United in particular? What do you think's going on, Rob? Well, at Manchester United in particular, I mean, they're having a, a very troubled season, aren't they? Um, they're not. I don't think they're even in a European place at the moment as the uh, Premier League stands. And as you say, Marcus Ratchford... He's having a dreadful season. Um, I think one of his um, issues, as you mentioned, he's now so well known and he's got his MBE and um, and all the rest of it that he's dedicating a lot of his time to the causes of sort of like fundraising and being a spokesperson for children who, who don't have food and things like that. But it does seem to have affected his game a lot, doesn't it? Um, against Liverpool the other night, he was on the pitch, but... He didn't do anything, did he? Um, and this changing managers with this Ralph Rangnick um, has turned out to be a bad idea for them as well, I think. I don't think there was any ill intention um, from anybody along the way. But they, they um, the, the reason why Spurs bought, bought um, Cla- um, Claudio, the, the manager there, is because they knew that Man U were going to sack Oli Gunnar Solskjaer and Man U were after the guy who's now the Tottenham manager. But they got this Ralph Ragnick in and I'd heard his name before, but I didn't really know very much about him. So I, I did some research, like a lot of people did. And he is a mentor, uh, was a mentor at least, of Jurgen Klopp and of uh, Thomas Tuchel because he's, he's German and, and those two managers are both German as well. He's slightly older than they are, and he was one of the first um, managers to bring in this uh, high press, the Gagan, the Gagan pressing system, which is like the high, the high line, trying to tackle, get the ball back as soon as you lose it, and things like that, which worked for him in the past, but it hasn't worked at Man U because he completely tried to change the system, and the players don't really get on with him. I don't think he's got very much respect in the dressing room. He's definitely going at the end of the season. I mean, they've already got his replacement, haven't they? Um, um, Ten Hag is called, I think. Yep. Well, well, sorry, I, I gave you a little bit of um, information which is still up for grabs. Um, apparently, they they are even thinking they might even go back to the drawing board and start looking at maybe an English manager. I mean, quite honestly, they are uh, utterly inept at the moment in what they're trying to do. They don't know. I don't think they have a clue. Uh, the Americans, let's be honest about it, you know, if you want to go to the ball game and just, uh, you know, watch the American game and all that sort of stuff, well, it's not the same as going up to Manchester and having a pucker pie and a cup of coffee and a cup of tea, a mug of tea or whatever, you know, and standing on the terraces and watching game and chewing the fat over the uh, the way the game's changed over the... I mean, this is the problem. These are people who are financiers, business people. They are not football experts and they are not football pundits. I mean, even with all respect to Ralph Rangnick, um, you know, when Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was going through a little bit of a difficult spell, he had Manchester United blood. He had played for the team. He knew the club. He wanted everybody to uh, get better. He was probably a little bit too nice, but I thought these 
uh, incumbents that have come along since have shown you that he was not doing as bad a job as people have made out. Now, if you've got young people then coming in, uh, Mason Greenwood was one that springs to mind, who unfortunately uh, don't know how to behave and therefore, you know, uh, they've now got themselves involved with police um, activities. I mean, I mean, he's even reading today in one of the Manchester City players has been caught having to pee in a top hotel instead of going up to the toilet like everybody else. He goes and has a pee up against the wall. I mean, come on. You do that maybe when you're out in the middle of uh, the fields and there's no loo nearby. Not when you're a top professional paying, uh, being paid hundreds of thousands of pounds to um, represent your club when you're out. Uh, I think the problem is, you see, it's like a lot of things in life. There's, if you apply a little bit of common sense, if you pay people ridiculously high money, they make life ridiculous by being ridiculous in things that they will do. We've had that at all different kind of levels. And then if you also apply the logic of not making out that because somebody has been the greatest of bosses maybe um, 10 years ago in Germany, he's suddenly going to come across and do the same in England. Uh, it doesn't work that like that because it, you've got to go for your crop of players. You've got to weigh, look at the way the manager is now. You've got to look at the financial implications. Plus, of course, everybody's lived through Brexit and you, you've lived through COVID. And I mean, you know, a lot of these guys have had a horrible time. Um, you, you know, Rangnick is not suddenly going to come in and solve things that have been created by other people. Everything takes time. And unfortunately, they have now got themselves into right turmoil. Um, when Cristiano was bought in, I think there was a little bit of a problem at the time that he came in. I think somebody decided to buy Cristiano, which was could have been a good move had it done been done in the right respect. Maybe have a team meeting first, but they don't. These executives, um, you know, these these guys who go and look for players, they'll be meeting in boardrooms and having uh, G&Ts and things like that. Two of the scouts have left, haven't they, from Manchester United? They have, yes. Um, as I say, Manchester United at the moment seems to be in complete turmoil, Vince. Um, but uh, the guy called Jim Lawler, who was the chief scout, he joined Man United in 2006... Under Sir Alex, um, Sir Alex Ferguson, he has resigned. And also his um, assistant, a guy called Marcel Bout, who was part of uh, Louis van Gaal's coaching staff, and he moved into Manchester United as a scout in 2016. They've both resigned. Um, there aren't all that many details given about the, why they've resigned, but their, their recommendations basically weren't being followed. Um, they, their job is to go out and find the best players who will fit into the squad, um, and actually um, be of some benefit to Man United. And I think they, they, they just weren't being listened to. Um, and they have made some um, unusual signings, uh, shall we say, and not very successful ones either. I mean, Cristiano, obviously, he's probably the most famous footballer, along with Messi, I would say, but he's, he's probably the most famous active footballer in the world. Um, but his contract, as we mentioned uh, just now, is so complex that the the rest of the team have to play for him. And that has definitely put Bruno Fernandes' nose out of joint because Bruno Fernandes is also Portuguese, but he's he's coming to the peak of his career. He, I would say, personally, I would say he's a better player than Cristiano is at the moment um, because of his age and his speed and his reactions and things. But, um, yeah, why they brought this Ralph Rangnick in, they should possibly have had some sort of meeting. I mean... Um, and, and yeah, and ask the players, do you know who this person is? A lot of the players, um, especially the sort of like um, the reserve players and things, hadn't even heard of him. They didn't have a clue who he was. They had to do like I did, which is basically look him up on Wikipedia and find out who he was. Um, so, and this new manager that's going to come in as well, I don't know very much about him either. But um, at least he is doing some. He's doing some research, at least, isn't he? The, the, the guy who's going to come in to um, find out exactly what the problems are with on on the pitch with Man United, and his task is to try and solve the problems that are going on the pitch. Well, um, I, when 
when Cristiano came in, um, Cavani, the uh, Uruguayan player, who is also in his mid-30s, he had already been given the number seven shirt at Man United. And he had to change it. Now, this is an international... He's, well, he's, he's a very respected footballer as well. He had to change his number in his mid-30s so that Cristiano could be CR7 again. It, 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 it just, they just seem to make a complete mess of it. Or, um, or, or was, he, was he asked and was it discussed... And did Cristiano perhaps phone him up and say, "Listen, mate, you know, uh, it, I'd really appreciate." I mean, you don't know the the intricacies. I mean, the the problem really is that you're dealing with egos, you're dealing at the top level with egos, and I'd like anybody listening to our podcast to t- try and understand that I and probably yourself, Rob. Um, you, well, I can speak for me. I would not want this for Manchester United. I started off my young life um, being a fan of Manchester United. You, you know, there's this nonsense that you've got to be only a fan of one club. When Manchester United had the, um, the, the disaster and all the players uh, obviously were, were killed and, and the, the terrible thing that happened in the Munich uh, crash, um, a lot of people, like myself... Uh, we took a great interest in Manchester United. And for those people away from Manchester who don't understand, for those idiots, and I'm going to say this quite clearly, idiots who shouted about um, horrible slogans about the Hillsborough people, who were like themselves, just supporters, going to a football match, who happened to have been in the wrong place at the wrong time and died, to shout and be disrespectful... You don't understand football. You don't understand, as a Manchester United player, uh, fan, sorry, that uh, teams like Liverpool supported your club in your hour of need. We gave you players to complete your season. Other teams did the same. I think Manchester City was another one that did the same. And I think that some of the fans of today are not truly a football fan. A football fan is somebody who loves to see good football played, possibly always best by his own team, but also appreciative of other teams' players who play well and other teams who make a great spectacle for us all to enjoy. So as far as the disrespect is concerned, we had um, both Manchester City and Manchester United uh, represented by some of their people purporting to be fans. Well, let me just tell you quickly that uh, Jurgen Klopp has already accepted the apology from Manchester City and accepted the fact that this doesn't represent true football fans of Manchester City, nor did what was going on in the chanting from Manchester United at uh, Anfield. So, um, yeah, I've had I've had my little rant about that. Uh, there are always people you'll meet who take things too far. Good football supporters are people who go to watch good football. If they play for the other team, you still acknowledge how good they are. Rob, um, sorry about that. I've just conti- I've just gone a bit uh, about that. Um, will you tell us about what's happening with PK? And uh, some dealings to do with Saudi Arabia here in Spain. Yes, well, um, I agree with what you just said, actually, Vince, about um, the the chanting on the terraces. That was shameful. Um, It's only a handful, as it always is, but it's a handful that's getting the news, isn't it? And the majority of people who go to watch football, as we always say, are just normal people who want to go and see a good match. But, um, yeah, getting on to PK, this is Gerard PK. Um, the, his Barcelona player. He actually started his career at Man U. Um, but he, he's, he started, his youth career was at Barcelona. Then he went to Man United. He started his professional career at Man U. But now he's a regular at, um, in Barcelona because he's actually a Catalan originally. But what he is, has actually done is he has... Um, he has interest. He's got business interests. Okay, he comes from a family of Catalan business people, so he didn't come from the streets of uh, Rio de Janeiro, for example, kicking a, a brick about. He comes from a very wealthy family, and he's got lots of business interests himself. Now, what he's actually um, done, and it, nothing illegal, I don't think about it, but it's business, and it can be could be considered a conflict of interest 
this is very um, much in the Spanish press at the moment because he, his company has signed a deal with Saudi Arabia to host the Spanish Super Cup from 2019 until 2029, um, which the Spanish Super Cup is the uh, version of the, um, the charity shield, as they used to call it. The, uh, the winner of the cup against the winner of the, um, the league in the Premier League, they have the same thing in Spain, but it's actually called the La, La Supercopa. And, and he has, his business has um, done this deal with Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago now. And they're investigating to find out whether or not um, there's anything shady about it because he shouldn't be getting involved. Um, as far as a professional footballers shouldn't be getting involved in signing deals um, of that sort of nature. But that's basically what, what his company has done. Um, is basically signed away the rights to the uh, Spanish Super Cup until 2029. And that is why it was played in South, uh, Saudi Arabia uh, this season. And unless they can find any problem with the contract, it's going to be played there until 2029. Can't all the, and... people, can't all the people see what I'm seeing, which is basically uh, the, the uh, Arabs who are more likely to enjoy maybe a couple of camel races, uh, uh, but maybe are now getting into football. Um, you know, they're, they're having all these major tournaments at inconvenient times where everybody from, say, La Liga, whoever wins um, and gets into the final, have now got to fly out. Um, you know, every time you fly in a plane, there is a danger. People forget these things. So, uh, really, I-, I find all this absolutely nonsensical. The Spanish Super Cup should be played in Spain. If it isn't played in Madrid, it should be as they were doing, taking it round to the different g- grounds and giving every ordinary person a chance to be somewhere uh, of, uh, of an interesting time for a final to be played at their stadium. That's how I see it. I agree 100% with that, Vince. Um, in, in, th- in this um, particular season, Super Cup, Athletic Bilbao um, were playing uh, against Athletic Madrid. And Bilbao made a lot of complaints at the time because their supporters, um, their grassroots supporters, their they're local people, as we've spoken about before, Bilbao is a, a very, very well-known team. But the, the supporters just couldn't afford to go to watch the match. Um, most of the people who go to watch matches are either they're working people, aren't they? And to go to Saudi Arabia, the price of tickets and all the rest of it, they, they, they made official complaints at the time. And this is why it started to be looked into, I think, um, because they, the, the supporters just couldn't afford to go and watch the match. Well, we just had the um, same the same thing in the United Kingdom when you had Manchester City and Liverpool playing the FA Cup semi-final. There was not even a train service because of a strike, and they all had to mm. find the extra cash to go all the way down to London, uh, whereas I just can't understand why they couldn't have just transferred it up to the northwest, give everybody a break, save the, a bit of money. But no, it's all about corporate boxes and international finance now. Uh, Rob, I'm going to go to La Liga because I'm looking at the clock. We've got stacks to get through. Uh... Loads to get through. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. So it's over to Rob to put us in the picture. What's happening in Spain with the uh, top division La Liga? Right, well, um, in La Liga, we've had um, midweek matches as well. Um, These are catch-up matches, similar to the Premier League. Um, So we've had midweek matches. Nothing's changed really at the top of the table. Um, Real Madrid, most of the teams are on 33 matches now. Um, Real Madrid are on 33 matches, uh, got 78 points. Atletico Madrid have moved up into second again. Um, They've had 33 matches, but they're on 61 points. So that's the second team. There's 17 points difference, and there's only five matches left. So um, it looks very much as though uh, Real Madrid is going to be the champions this season. Um, down at the bottom end, the local team to where I live, Vince uh, Elche, they won 
um, against the odds, actually, uh, in the mid- their midweek match. Now they have got 33 matches and 38 points. They look relatively safe, which is a surprise because they, um, they, they're they not a very wealthy team. Um, but they, 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 they look like they're going to save themselves again this season, which I'm really pleased about. A lot of my uh, local friends who, who are from the Elche area are really, really pleased about that. Who's going to go down? It looks at the moment very much like uh, Alaves Levante, which unfortunately is the other team from Valencia City. Um, they they look basically condemned at the moment, but then the third relegation position at the moment, it's all up for grabs. Um, Granada are now in 18th place, so they're in a relegation place, but they've got Cadiz, they've got Mallorca, and also Raya Vallecana, who, uh, another team from um, an area of Madrid, had a really good start to the season, and now they've dropped like a stone. And the third relegation place is basically uh, is, is probably going to be one of those. Nobody's actually been officially relegated yet. Um, Real Madrid haven't officially won uh, La Liga yet. But that's the way things stand at the moment, Vince. OK, bits and pieces. Okay, so uh, bits and pieces, and uh, just I just want to put one bit in here because, quite frankly, uh, I'm a bit disgusted, really, because Sean Deitch uh, had been 10 years with Burnley and um, it looks like another mismanagement episode. Uh, when I looked, uh, uh, you know, people hated going up to Burnley. It was horrible weather. It was always a difficult team to play against. He had to sell his best um player and um you know <laughs> he is a permanent fixture in the premier league so I, i'm pretty sure he will bounce back somewhere and i just feel sorry that uh, there's no loyalty at all american owners again i think i'm right in saying burnley i think have shot themselves in the foot over to you well i think that um as well vince i think burnley basically um Resigned to the fact I think they're going to get relegated now because uh, sacking Sean Dyche at such a late stage in the season, and he's been there as you say, he was the longest serving uh, manager in the uh, Premier League. He saved him five seasons on a row. It was him that actually was the manager who took them into the Premier League. He, they've always been well, last season they had a good season actually, they finished in the top half, but they're always or generally in some sort of relegation battle just because it's a small town. And a relatively small club, although it's one of the first clubs. It was one of the original um, clubs of the Football League, wasn't it, when they when they first signed it in 1874. But um, to sack Sean Dyche after so long, such loyal service, with so few matches left and in such a bad position, um, I really can't understand it either. Um, they were actually talking about him going... Becoming the Norwich boss actually for the last few matches, but um, well, if you I, think I, about I, I think it, I, I, I can't. I, I feel sorry for the guy actually because he he's a nice bloke as well, isn't he? Listen, listen if you but, think about this seriously, now this is going to sound off the wall, but I tell you, if you put Sean Dyche in charge of Manchester United. And gave him a top-class forwards coach to work with him. I would guarantee you Manchester United would not become maybe invincible, but they would be pretty near invincible. Because basically, if you give somebody as little as he's had, and for 10 years he's managed to keep them in the Premier League, um, I don't think many others have done that. So that in itself would be something if he had the luxury of money and the greatness of the players like Ronaldo around him and somebody to just maybe put him in the right direction as far as an attacking um, coach is concerned. I think he's got the defensive side well and truly showed up. That was his uh, track record. He came in as a, I think he was a centre-half when he was playing. Didn't know much about him playing, but I did read about it. And um, Eric was the same, you know, so we just know that, um, you know, 
he's been a thoroughly loyal manager and it looks to me like Manchester United is just about money. Sean Dyche is not just about money. He's about football. That's what I think. Oh, yes, he's um, 100% in, into it, isn't he? And he really put everything in. And you're right, he was, he was a centre-back, actually, when he played. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, he basically took Burnley to where they are now. And they were possible, they could have possibly got out of the relegation zone. They might still be able to do it. But to sack a manager at such a late stage in the season after such loyal service... I think, as you said at the beginning, I think they've shot themselves in the foot. And I think the players, like happened at Watford a couple of seasons ago when Watford went down, which was, Watford are probably going to go down again. But they did a similar thing, didn't they? They sacked their manager with about uh, five matches left. Yeah. Not- and you could see that the, the players, their heads went down. The, 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 the spirit went out of the team. Um, and Watford were even in a relegation position when they sacked the manager, but they did get relegated. Um, I really can't understand what, what, well, why they made that decision. Well, because um, the, the, I think there's some uh, debt involved in the club and uh, sort of trying to eventually think that they can solve it by getting rid of the manager and bringing... I don't know. I mean, look, um, let's... They're going to be playing championship football next season, Vince. Um, I would say pretty much certainly that uh, they're going to have to rebuild. Um, and he would have been, Sean Dyche probably would have been the perfect person to rebuild them in the championship yeah. and try to bring them back into the Premier League. Totally agree. But Yeah, but um, Burnley, somebody in Burnley decided that was it. And unfortunately, yeah, Sean Dyche, well, 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 he'll be back again soon, won't he? As you say, he's going to be offered a different job. Yeah. Um, to- but it, yeah, I'll miss him, actually, because he is a character. He is. 24 minutes left on our podcast, which means we've got to look at uh, what's been happening. Now, I'm going to wax lyrical. I don't very often do this about my team uh, because I try to be a realist. uh, But I did watch Liverpool play the first of the Cup semi-finals at Wembley against Manchester City. Now, come on. We're talking about two great teams, possibly the two greatest teams in the world. And in the first half, Liverpool eclipsed Manchester City. They went 3-0 up. Uh, When it uh, came to the second half, City did put a lot more into the second half and um, came back to, I think, 3-2 was probably a more realistic score. But Liverpool deservedly in the final. And uh, first of all, did you see that game? I did see that game, actually, Vince, yes. Um, I went out especially to watch it. Um, And I enjoyed it as well. Um, Liverpool... They are. When they're on form, they're absolutely brilliant, aren't they? And uh, Sadio Mane at the moment, he got two goals in that match. Um, He is on top form at the moment, I would say. Um, Man City did come back. They got two goals in. But the last goal was in um, time added on the 91st minute. Bernardo Silva got the second goal. But then there was, I think there was about seven or eight minutes added on, weren't there, at the end of the match. So the last few minutes of the match were a real frenzy because Man City were trying to get the draw to go to extra time. It didn't happen. But, um, yeah, Liverpool, Man City and Liverpool are probably the, um, the, the, the definitely the best teams in, um, in the UK at the moment. They are up in the top of the world, aren't they, at the moment as well? Uh, although Chelsea won the, um, well, the, the World Club Championship, didn't they? But... Well, let's so that go, was from last season. Let's go to the other semi-final because Chelsea were up against Crystal Palace. Resurgent at the moment, Crystal Palace, because Patrick Vieira has really brought them up into a, a really good-looking team. Um, Chelsea had had a great win against Southampton, which we will probably reflect on, but we've got a lot of games to look back on now. Um, I did think that Chelsea were worthy of going through, but I thought Crystal Palace gave them a very good first half. Um, okay, um, Chelsea, don't forget, they are third and they are, have been uh, one of the top teams. They were last year's champions of the Champions League. So um, it's going to be an interesting final and I don't think it's going to be one-way traffic by any means. Chelsea are a good outfit. Uh, they, of course, have had horrendous problems like Manchester United. Uh, so, yes, um, 
we're going to have a great final. Let me go next to the um, Manchester United game at Anfield on Monday of this week. Um, when uh, obviously we weren't able to really predict our scores on these games. Uh, I knew deep down Liverpool should win it, but I felt that Manchester United were inept. I don't want to criticise too much because, you know, there are great players in their team and they will come back and be a good team again. But they were awful. They didn't look as if they knew how to fight for their reputation even. No, um, I went out to watch that match as well, Vince, actually, because this was a big one, wasn't it? Um, it ended up Liverpool 4, Man United nil, And that is when you sort of realise that the wheels have fallen off at Man United completely. Liverpool played very well, very, very well. But Manchester United were absolutely dreadful. Um, and I've watched the highlights again as well, because when I was watching the match live, I thought Manchester United just looked rubbish. Um, so I watched the extended highlights of the match and I did actually think Man United are rubbish. Um, and they come up against a team like Liverpool, 4-0, um, a midweek match, which keeps uh, keeps Liverpool still in the title race, doesn't it? Well, of course. Um, we, and it puts Man United in, in quite a difficult position. Well, we measure... And they look, stu- look stupid. Yeah, uh, apologies for butting in. Um, I, I think what we need to do quickly is put the perspective back in because last night... Um, Brighton were the visitors to Manchester City. Now, uh, Brighton, um, they, they can be very good. They can be rather inept. They've had a band run. They've started to come good again. The first goal that uh, they scored, Man City scored last night, was a total fluke, really. Uh, but then, of course, they, they got the goal. They could relax. They are imperious. When they play their football, they can be really, really brilliant to watch. So, um, yeah, they're back on top, one point ahead of Liverpool. And don't forget, the synopsis is that it is there for Manchester City to lose, not for Liverpool to win. Liverpool can't win. If they win all their games and Man City win all their games, Man City will be the champions. So that's the scenario. Did you watch um, City last night or did you find the highlights? I listened to it on the radio, Vince, actually. But um, yeah, Man City put in a, a good performance. Apparently, um, Maris, who scored the first goal, um, it was a bit of a fluke, I think. But um, his goal scoring record this season is phenomenal. Um, Phil Foden got the second one in, Bernardo Silva got the third. Um, so, yes, it is for Man City to lose because if Man City drop a match, if Man City draw, for example, in one of the uh, upcoming matches and Liverpool win their corresponding match, then they could hand the title to Liverpool. Liverpool can't do anything about it if both teams win all their matches, but the pressure is on City, really. Yeah, but I don't see it like that. I I, I think, uh, really, it's going to be a very, very difficult end of season for both teams. And to be honest with you, they're two phenomenal sides. We go to the Chelsea performance against Arsenal last night. Um, Arsenal have been uh, like a a present from your grandmother. You've got no idea what's coming. Uh, They actually beat... Chelsea 4-2 at Stamford Bridge, which was a great result for Arsenal because, quite honestly, big London derby, bragging rate rights and all that sort of stuff. Good win, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Um, And apart from just the bragging rights, because they're two North London teams, um, it means that Arsenal are are serious now about getting a Champions League place. Um, It was 2-3 in favour of Arsenal until the um, 92nd minute when the captain, the Spanish uh, Aspilicueta, the uh, Spanish player, who was Chelsea's captain, gave away a ridiculous penalty. Um, and Bukayo Saka um, scored it, so it put, um, it put it out of Chelsea's reach, basically. But from what I could see, both teams were actually going for it. Um, again, North London derby, bragging rights, but also there's a Champions League place at, at stake. 
And I thought that was a good match, actually. Uh, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 4. Yeah. Uh, Everton, a much-needed point against a, a resurgent Leicester. Leicester, um, I always think Leicester are likely to just get a win, but um, it was a draw. I think Everton will be happy to get that point. And obviously, uh, down at the bottom, we'll keep uh, this in mind as well, as Newcastle were at home to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, uh, having lost the cup semi-final, they lost by the odd goal 1-0 to Newcastle at Newcastle. So it's all interesting. It's all to play for down at the bottom end, isn't it? Well, it is. And I think Newcastle now is safe, actually, um, after having a, a terrible start to the season. But when they um, brought Eddie Howe in as manager and when the new owners took over, they haven't had that much chance to spend a lot of money. But they made some good decisions. The people who bought new players in, um, Newcastle are now in 11th position, so they're looking for a top-half finish. And if you'd have said three or four months ago, if you like, um, who was candidates for the drop, Newcastle were right in there, weren't they? So they were. They, yeah, well, they were, definitely. They were in a relegation position. But don't forget... And now they're down at mid-table, so, and they're safe. Don't forget, if the bosses are whispering in your ear, listen, if we stay up, you're going to get a big pay packet. I mean, look, th this is just uh, the way football has gone. It's all about the money. Don't forget, Newcastle are now reportedly the richest club in the English Premier League. We'll look back at the other games that were happening at the weekend uh, where we had... Um, where are we? We had Manchester United uh, against Norwich. We've mentioned that already because of the time. We'll just mention that Cristiano got his hat-trick and he got his phenomenal bonus. And uh, it's tough, really, because I do like Norwich, apart from the fact that Delia Smith can always come out and uh, give us a song at half-time. Um, I thought uh, that was Norwich played quite well. Um, the other one that was interesting, or another one that, that was interesting, was Southampton were at home to Arsenal. Now, we've just mentioned Arsenal have beaten Chelsea. They go to Southampton and they lost 1-0. Uh, that didn't really surprise me because um, Southampton are that type of team. I put them down for a draw, so did you. Southampton won Arsenal 0. Any comment on that one? Well, Arsenal... Um, although they are um, going for a Champions League place and they can turn it on against Chelsea, they're not consistent, are they? Uh, they went to Southampton. Southampton are a good team, let's face it. Um, but I, I didn't think that uh, Southampton would win it, but just a single goal in it. Um, Southampton got the points. They're safe as well. So, um, and Arsenal basically dropped at least one point because we both thought it was going to be a draw. But Arsenal... I thought I thought they should play better, but um, but there you go, Southampton won. Okay, now we go to Watford, where uh, the basement teams, uh, Brentford were the visitors. They're now staying up uh, because um, Brentford, you thought would win, so did I. Watford won, Brentford two. Good win for Brentford. They're up. They're not. They're not going to go down. They're a Premier League team for next year as well. Well, yes, um, this this was a six-pointer, really, wasn't it, Vince? Because um, Watford are now more or less, they're not relegated yet mathematically, but they, they look like they're going to go down. Brentford, who have had the first season in the Prem, uh, ever in the Premier League, but the first season in the top flight for about 48 years or something, isn't it? They have maintained their place by that win. Um, and I, I like Brentford, actually. I think, I think they're very exciting, well, interesting to watch. Um, I like the manager. He's, he's a, a different kind of personality involved in the game. Um, but I got that spot on, actually. I thought it was going to be Watford. Well, there, I mean, but, signing uh, Ericsson. What a, you see, this is the sort... Oh, br brilliant, brilliant decision. This, this, brilliant is, decision. this is where Manchester United just didn't get it. I mean, you know, this is, uh, this is signing somebody because, A, you were giving him a chance to show how good he, he was, but also he's a brilliant player. No, stupid. Everybody seemed to miss that one apart from Brentford. Newcastle were playing at home to Leicester. Um, I thought that Newcastle would win. So did you. We got it right. Newcastle 2, Leicester 1. Yeah, we both got one spot on, didn't we, Vince? We both said 2-1. Um, as I've just mentioned uh, very well, just now, Newcastle are now safe. Um, they're going to be a Premier League season, uh, team again next season. Leicester, on the other hand, they're going to be there as well. But they, 
again, they're up and down, aren't they? There's a lot of a lot of speculation about whether or not Brendan Rodgers will stay or, or one thing or another. But yeah, New, Newcastle, um, completely different. But it's the same players, basically, but just a completely different playing style. And they, it is attractive football. It's very exciting. And the home fans are really, really behind them. As we know, Newcastle have got a really partisan support. The whole city of Newcastle is behind the team. And it does spur them on to play better. Now, when they were having a bad um, season at the beginning, the crowd was against them. The home crowd was against them. And that gave negative results as well. Because at the end of the day, there's players on the pitch, but the crowd do influence what, what happens, don't they? If, if the crowd is well behind the, uh, the team, it spurs them on. And if the crowd is against the team, especially a team like Newcastle playing at home, then the, the players um, suffer those sort of effects as well. They, they, um, they, they don't play as well as they could. But oh. yeah, Newcastle, um, okay. we'll, see what they, we'll see how many signings they make because now they've got pots of money. Bit of pressure coming. Uh, bit of pressure coming your way. We've got about ten minutes left, and we've got stacks of mm. matches to predict. Okay, right. uh, so we go first to Burnley. Manager less at the moment. The visitors of Southampton. They often are good on the road. Give me your prediction, please. Burnley in the frozen wastes. If it's uh, a cold night, uh, <laughs> that will affect the game. I'm going for a one-one. What do you think? Yes, that's the night, isn't it, Vince? And this is a catch-up match as well. Burnley without a manager. They're played at home. I think the team will go out because the team is loyal. Um, they were loyal to Sean Dyche. I can see it being a draw as well. Um, a 1-1 one, one because there's not going to be any goals in it for Burnley. I would agree with you, 1-1. One, one. OK, so now we go to the Saturday fixtures. Arsenal just beaten Chelsea at Chelsea. They're playing Manchester United. Wow, it's going to go one way or the other. It's going to be either Arsenal will completely dominate or Manchester United will think, hang on, we've got our pride to play for here. I'm going to go for a draw. No, I'm not. I'll go for Manchester United to win this one. 2-3. Right, well, I would go the other way around, actually, Vince. I've got it down as an Arsenal 3-1. I don't think that um, the, the Man United players as they proved against Liverpool, basically, and in various other matches. Their heart doesn't seem to be in it. So uh, I think Arsenal will win this 3-1. Well, I'd be uh, I'd be bringing in the Trade Description Act. If I was uh, Ralph Rangnick, I'd have a trade stand, treading standards officer brought in to explain to these players that um, if we're going to describe you as a top-class international player and you play like you've been performing, uh, we're not going to pay you money. The, that might just uh, G them up a bit. OK, um, I, I'm just hopefully um, going to give them good vibes because they've had some rotten times. Palace, Crystal Palace play Leeds United. Oh, Crystal Palace have just had a, an upset with the um, with the cup semi final. I think it's going to be very tight. I hope I'm wrong. Crystal Palace two, Leeds one. My heart's with Leeds. My head's with Crystal Palace. What do you think? Well, as you know, Vince, I, I never bet against Leeds, but um, I've actually got this down as a two all draw. Um, Leeds, uh, they they only need another couple of points to make themselves safe. Um, and I think they'll take a point from this happily. Although, as you say, Crystal Palace are a really good team under Patrick Vieira. But um, Leeds are well up for it as well. I'll put it down as a two-all. Leicester are at home to Aston Villa. It's a sort of Midlands derby. Steven Gerrard has got to get his team playing. They're not performing at the moment. He's going to his old boss. He wants to show him that he's got a good team. I think they could shade this. I'm going to uh, put my head on the block. Leicester 1, Villa 2. Leicester 1, Villa 2. Right. Um, I've got it down as a draw, actually, Vince. I've got it down as a two-all draw as, um, in this match as well. Because it is a sort of um, Midlands derby, isn't it? But um, So both teams are going to be up for it. I can't see Villa doing it, though, because Steven Gerrard, they, they, they've lost... They've lost form, haven't they, yeah, really, since he's which is a shame. Okay, It's a real shame because I think, I think he's a, a really nice young bloke 
with a good future ahead of him, but they don't, he doesn't seem to do much at Villa. Well, not at the moment, but we'll wait and see. Manchester mm. City, uh, they're at home to Watford. Will Watford be the whipping boys? Got to be at least 3-0. Sorry, I, I look, I want somebody to beat Manchester City, but it won't be Watford, that's for sure. What do you think? I don't think it's going to be Watford either, Vince. Uh, I've got it down as a 3-0 as well, actually, to be honest. I wasn't sure to go for three or four, but I decided to play it safe and go for three. OK, so we go next to Norwich. I like Norwich. Delia might be out again, warbling away. Um, Pucky, you never know, he, he just might come good. New Norwich 2, Newcastle 2. That's, that's what I think with this one. I've actually got it down as a 2-1 to Norwich, actually, Vince, because they are more or less sentenced to go down to the Championship. But they are playing in front of a home crowd and they don't want to go out with the, with the whimper, do they? They want to go out on a bang rather than a whimper. So I've got this down as a 2-1 two, uh, two, in favour of Norwich. Brentford, resurg- <laughs> resurgent Brentford, Christian Eriksen, ex-Spurs. He'll want to do well. Um, Brentford versus Spurs, 2-1. Brentford are safe now, aren't they, Vince? Yes, they Spurs are. are going for, yep, that, um, but I think this will spur them on to play even better now they know they're safe. So, so they go out and play freely. Um, and as you say, uh, Christian Eriksen was a really, really um, smart buy, wasn't he, basically? Yeah. Um, I, I think Brentford could do this, actually. I think it's adding me to draw. Or I'll put it on to 2-1 to Brentford. OK, we've got um, four to go, four minutes to get there. And Brighton uh, play the South Coast derby against Southampton. Uh, Brighton will need to do something to get themselves back. 2-2, uh, 2-2 for me. Yes, there isn't really much to play for in this match, is there, Vince, apart from, uh, if you like, the South Coast bragging rights. Um Brighton had a good start, but they've gone off the boil. I think Southampton could do this. I think Southampton will go to Brighton and try and win it. Um, I think the Southampton will do it 2-1. 1-2, should we say. Burnley, in the frozen wastes, looking for a manager. Uh, there'll be no short sleeves on the terraces, I doubt. Wolves are the visitors. They'll have the tights on and their stockings and um, scarves and all sorts of things. I think Burnley will win this one, 2-1. I don't... Uh, uh, it's difficult to say, isn't it, Vince? With Burnley, with no manager um, at the moment, they're playing at home and they will want to put on a good show for the uh, local supporters. But Wolves are a good team this season. I think that Wolves will do this one too. Chelsea... Um, they'll be smarting. London bragging rights against Arsenal, already lost during the week, uh, and they now have West Ham coming along. 3-1 to Chelsea. They've got to get their pride back. Yes, there's been a lot of London derbies, haven't there, recently? There's obviously a lot of London teams, but um, there seem to be these uh, London derbies virtually every week of the season. Again, this is bragging rights. West Ham have still got an outside chance of getting a European place. So they'll be going for it as well. But yeah, I think Chelsea will do this 3-1. OK, the last one is the Sunday Liverpool Merseyside derby. They're at home against Everton. I think it's going to be tight. I don't think it's going to be anything other than a difficult game. They're all difficult games at the moment. 2-1 for me. Right, now this um, this will be worth watching, Vince. This is uh, on Sunday, isn't it? It's a half past five kickoff European yeah. time. The Liverpool derby. Um, apart from bragging rights, Liverpool have got a chance of winning the title. Everton have got a chance of going down. Um, so I think this match will be... It's important for both of them. I can't see Everton doing it, to be honest. I'll put it down, I'll put it down as a 3-1 to um, Liverpool. OK, now that shows me that we now have a minute and a half to finish our podcast. So I'm going to finish off by saying uh, whoever wins this year, we've had a thrilling contest. We've got some wonderful teams in the English Premier League. 
Um, I'm very saddened to see that money has defiled the great Manchester United. Uh, I hope that one gets sorted out because it's good for football and competition. And, um, you know, I do have, I've got many friends who are Manchester United fans. I want to see Leeds do well because of, uh, obviously, the fact that you are a Leeds supporter. Uh, but in closing for me this week, um, let's just get things in perspective. Um, you know, we already m mentioned Cristiano's personal problems. Um, money can't buy life. Don't forget, that is a fact. OK, I've, uh, I've said goodbye. Over to you. Right, Vince. Well, um, I hope Leeds Turf as well. And as far as Man United go, um, they do have a lot of support um, from outside of Manchester, don't they? A lot of the local people around here thought that Man United were going to put one over on and Liverpool the other night. Um, and, yeah, Cristiano, Ronaldo's personal problems, very tragic all round. And um, let's hope that he, um, he, he recovers as best that he possibly can. But that's a tragic loss. OK, so that's about it, Rob. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure, Vince. It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football.